0: Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, I'm Pastor Greg. I'm one of the family pastors here. If you were here last week, you got to hear from Pastor Emily, and I hope that that was a blessing to you. I just want to start off this morning by giving thanks uh, to you as Christ Community Church. Every year, uh, I'm so encouraged. To be a part of such an amazing body of believers that support the children and youth of, of this church. Um, we had, we just had our summer camp. We weren't able to do our fundraisers. And yet you still gave um, so that everyone had the opportunity to encounter God at camp. Two days before camp was supposed to happen, we got a phone call that things got rearranged. I told you God is dealing with me on that mindset and um, we had to rebuild our camp and it was amazing. We moved everything to here to a day camp style. God moved and people were ministered to and I praise God for the changes that happened. People that couldn't go to the stay away camp were able to come to this camp and um, God God really moved. We have vacation Bible school uh, starting tonight for the next few days and so um, I appreciate your support in that through volunteerism and through prayer and so I just want to give you thanks for supporting the children and youth of this church. Amen. So um, I, I'm thankful for uh, the church that I gave my, my heart to the Lord in. Um, back when I was about 15 years old, and um, really uh, strong in the Word. And one thing I I learned growing up is just context. Like, when you read the Word, context is everything. Uh, So um, I opened this morning with Isaiah 58, verse 1, at least um, part of the verse. I didn't finish the verse. I didn't give you the full context. It says, Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. So the verse actually isn't saying to shout to God. It's it's actually saying shout at the people. Shout at the people and tell them about their sins. Who's excited for today's message? <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Our theme for camp was rebuild uh, from Isaiah 58, verse 12. And um, so I just wanted to, I I like to try and bridge the gap between the children and the adults, the youth and the adults. So I wanted to share with you uh, a little bit about what summer camp was all about this year and our theme, which was rebuild. And so so I'm going to share with you. The, the same message that I shared with the youth. And then we had other speakers at our camp as well, Pastor Emily and Pastor Steve Farina from Bethel. But, um, but so th- this is about rebuilding today, and we're going we're gonna to talk about sin today. But it's a story of redemption and a story of God's passion for us. So here we go. Let's get into it. I won't shout at you today, so don't worry. Um, Here we go. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We've been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. Right? I mean, we generally have, have a pretty high view of ourselves, don't we? We're like, don't you see, God, what, what we're doing? My, my kids do this with me. If you're watching, hey, hey, hey Madison, hey, Owen, love you guys. Um, but w- one of the things, um, especially my daughter, Madison, who I love so much, she um, you know, is after my own heart. She takes like uh, two bites of her food, and then she's like, "Kind of dessert." <laughs> you know, It's like, "I did it, you know Or like when you ask them to clean up, they're like, they put like two things away, and they're like, "What? I cleaned. Don't you see what I did?" Like, "Come on." I- I'm slaving away over here. Like, don't you even notice? You know, and, and that's kind of how we are with God, you know? It's like, what? come on. Don't you see? We're fa- like, you know, sometimes we're just going through the motions, you know, or we're doing the bare minimum. We're like, yeah, come on, God. And so um, we're like, why aren't you impressed? Why aren't you impressed? And and this is what God says. He says, I will tell you why I'm not impressed. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think that this will please the Lord? So, you know, we have to live with ourselves, so we generally resolve that we are good people. But the truth is that we are oppressive and quarrelsome. We have a, a fake or temporary humility, and it's self-serving sometimes. You know, it's not all the time, um, but if we examine our motives, sometimes we give to get, right? And so we, this is a, a real heart check because God, God views the heart. Right? And it reminds me of of what Samuel said to Saul. Because Saul, he's like, What don't you see the, the sacrifices that I'm that I'm giving? And Samuel, what does he tell Saul? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Oh, it's good to come and worship. Oh, it's good to pray and read our Bible. But it's so good and pleasing to the Lord when we are holy, when we are set apart for him, when we are living our our lives to give him honor, right, and represent him. That is pleasing to the Lord. So we continue on. It says, no, this is the kind of fasting that I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned lighten the burden of those who work for you let the oppressed go free remove the chains that bind people share your food with the hungry give shelter to the homeless give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives that need your help i love that it's like yeah i know you do that like you know you got a family member moving you're like i'm busy don't call me you know It's like, don't hide from relatives that need your help. But I love reading this list because I think it's so relevant to today. If you look at the social justice issues that have worked their way into the spotlight, I'm so excited that finally there's there's more mainstream light being shed on things like uh, oppression, things like people being wrongly imprisoned, all this, um, we have so much of these social justice issues. It's the same that they had going on back then. God's heart has always been for his people, right? And I hear people, where's the church in all this? Where's the church in all this? The church has been in this, right? I mean, we, as a church, we, we give, and we send volunteers, and we support these groups that are helping to make these change, changes, right? And this is what God has called us to do. And it's so interesting that this verse is about fasting. When we think of fasting, what do you think of? Food, right? or Social media, you know, different things. We, we fast by giving up things, right? When we think fast, we think give up. And God redefines fasting. God <clears throat> God said, this is the type of fasting that I want. Go do something, right? You can, it's good. It's good to give up things, right? It's good to, to fast, right? Jesus fasted for 40 days in, in the wilderness. Fasting is great, but When you couple fasting with doing the work of the Lord, obedience is better than sacrifice. Right? This is the lifestyle that God is calling us to that we would get out and do the work of the Lord. So, what are you doing? What are we doing? Are we doing this work? Are we doing this work? So as I was um, working through this and um, thinking of how passionate God is for his people. And and this is a love story that we're reading today. And it reminded me of a story from John chapter 2. So bear with me, uh, context is everything, so we're going to read the story. So I'll try and talk fast. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers, coins all over the floor, and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. What? They exclaimed, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body, and after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this. And they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. So, Jesus, he uh, he goes a little crazy. He goes a little Karen at the temple. <laughs> Sorry, Karen. <laughs> and, uh... He starts tipping tables. He drives all the cattle out. This is, oh man, I just, I would love to have been there, you know. Um. And and he says, uh, he he says you've turned my father's house into a marketplace. Um, other accounts say uh, a den of thieves. Jesus gets into a a passionate discussion. Right, we don't want to say Jesus got into an argument, uh, kind of. Like we don't get in arguments with our spouse; we just have passionate discussions, you know. And so Jesus, he's having a passionate discussion with these people because he's passionate about God's house. Here's some some context for you: is that where they had set up shop? Here was in the court of the Gentiles, and so the. The Gentiles had a place. Those who were disenfranchised, those who who weren't God's people, had a place to come to the temple and worship the one true God during Passover. But they couldn't come during this time. They had nowhere to pray. It, it was turned into a marketplace. Right? And what's the Passover all about? I mean, we do a Passover Seder here. God is trying to tell his story through the Passover. This is so important. And it had turned into a business transaction. And Jesus, he he couldn't take it. And when I read the Bible, I have questions. I don't know about you, but like as I read, that's how I get my sermons a lot of times. is because I'm reading and I'm asking questions. And then sermon comes out of that. And one of the questions I have when I read this is how long has this been going on? I mean, Jesus, he's about over 30 years old at this point. How many, how many Passover celebrations did he go to? You have to go every year. So how many times has he walked through this marketplace and let it go? How many years has this been going on? You see, Jesus, he, when, when he replied to uh, the people who questioned him, he said, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. It said, he was talking about his body. And we are a temple for the Holy Spirit, right? And I think we end up a lot like this temple where we allow sin to to come take up residence in our temple. And you see, this whole buying and selling thing, it actually started as a good thing. It started as a good thing because people have to travel from far away and they can't always bring their sacrifices with them. So when what they can do is travel when they get there, then they can can purchase their sacrifice and, and it's a helpful thing. Right, and I'm in pastors' meetings. I know how this stuff goes. You have a discussion about it. The leaders get together. Okay, should what should we do about it? we have this problem? How do we fix it? Well, we can get some people buying and, and selling uh, stuff for people. Okay, good. Yeah, this is good. All right, sweet. That wow, we made we made a little bit of money this year. Let's do this again next year. Maybe we'll have more people. Then you get a couple more. And, oh, well, my buddy's throwing me an extra 50 to put him in this good spot here. And a couple years later, it's a little bit bigger, right? I mean, just, just think of how this would play out, right? And then for how many years this is going on. And this is kind of how sin works in our life. You know, one of the reasons I do this job is because I'm passionate about family, and I'm passionate about restoring the the family unit and and holiness within the family. And um, I think a lot of sin becomes generational. Right? We allow sin to take up residence in our life, and then we're raising kids who don't understand that that's sin. And to them, it's completely normal. How many people, how many generations were coming to the temple? That's just what it is, Passover. There's a bunch of people in the marketplace. What? The Gentiles, they just got to figure it out, you know? And we got to give our sacrifices, right? How many generations do you think this was going on, right? We let a little bit of sin creep in, and it no longer feels like sin. It just feels normal. And this is how culture changes. This is how um, dynamics change within the family. We allow sin to take up residence. We raise families. That's completely normal. And then it gets passed on to their kids. It gets passed on to their kids. And you see how it's it's the rule of one percent. You start with just a little bit. But then as you go down the line, it's more and more and more. We need to clear our temple. It's time to clean house. It's time to flip over some tables in our hearts and in our lives. Some of us have been living with things that feel completely normal. I'm not convicted by that. Well, that's what happens when you live with sin for that long, right? Jesus knew that this was wrong. But how shocked do you think the people were because how many of them had justified this to the point that it made complete sense to them and this this is what we do in our lives and revival is coming right god is pouring out we talked about this the this is how it works pandemic then comes revival and with revival is holiness Right? We want an outpouring of God. We want revival. We have to clean house. We have to start turning tables in our lives, driving those things out. Get them out of here. Right? So it's important that we look at our hearts from from the vantage point of God. We put so much effort into justifying sin in our lives. Right? Just as I'm sure the leaders of this temple, the caretakers of this temple, had put so much effort ju- justifying what they did. In their minds it was completely right. But we have to examine our hearts. We need passion for our temple. You see... The Gentiles, the the people that are far from God, need us, need us to represent God. They need to have a place to come and encounter God. And that's us, that's on us. We need to clear space, clear out our temple so that they can encounter God and have that place We're back to Isaiah 58. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then, when you call, the Lord will answer, Yes, I'm here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry, help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness. And the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and restorer of homes. When we do this... When we repent, when we turn to God and he gives an outpouring of revival, we will see the healings come. We will, we will be known, the church will be known as a repairer of the breach, right? Our walls have been torn down and it's time to rebuild, right? And, and we will start by rebuilding our homes, right? A restorer of homes. How many of you know That the homes, the family unit needs restored in our nation and in our community. Right? It starts with the church. God has called us to this. We can't be messing around with sin. We cannot be living with sin. We have a job to do. And our community is depending on us. To be known as a restorer of homes and rebuilder of the walls. So this story, it's not a message of damnation. It's not a message to tear you down about your sin and tell you how awful you are. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a message about the passion and love of God for his people that he will stop at nothing. At nothing. If you back up four verses... In Isaiah 57, 18, it says, I have seen what they do, and I will heal them anyways. Because where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And so thank God for the grace that we can acknowledge our sin. We can repent, and we can move forward and do what God has called us to do. We cannot be silent any longer. We cannot sit in our pews any longer It's good to come and worship and bow our heads like reeds bowing in the wind. But what are we doing when we get up from that? God is calling us to restore our cities.